for joining us for this episode of Rev TC Views. I'm your host, Wayne Plummer. A little over a month ago, Reverend Tashi shared her views on what she considered to be the main arguments of the pro-choice activists. Since that time, the heat of the abortion debate continued to rise. As now, more church organizations are taken to the media to make known their position on the matter. Christian organizations such as Jamaica Cause, Jamaica Coalition for a Healthy Society, and Christians United for Life are absolute in their position that abortion should not be permissible under any circumstances. The Baptists, the Anglicans, and the Seventh-day Adventists beg to differ. Stay tuned. The church seems to be divided on the abortion issue. Reverend Merlin Hyde Riley, who is the Associate General Secretary of the Jamaica Baptist Union, said in an article published February 8, 2019, online by the Gleaner, and I quote, We would not simply say we are pro-life or not pro-life. It must be treated sensitively and in a caring and compassionate manner. We prefer not to speak in terms of pro-life or not, because we would not say there's a single answer to the question. Reverend Hyde Riley continued, the JBU affirms the fact that every human is being is created in the image and likeness of God, and therefore we are affirming of life. But inasmuch as we affirm life, we recognize that there are circumstances that are very difficult for women. For example, in a case where the mother's life is at risk. And serious contemplation has to be given to what to do. The Baptists are not alone in their stance. Only days prior, Pastor Ted Wilson leader of the Seventh-day Adventist World Church, said his organization would not support abortion except in cases of rape or incest or if the mother's life was in danger. 
Unlike the Baptists, the Adventists, the Evangelicals, and the Catholics are resolute that voluntary abortion is not justifiable under any circumstances. It is a sin and it is wrong, Father Hulong says. I'd rather die than to support abortion. So, Rev Tashi, mm -hmm. what do you think about the fact that the church appears to be appears to not to speak with one voice on this matter of abortion? All right, thank you, Wayne, for the question. And let me just say hello to our faithful listeners and those who are tuning in for the very first time. We love that you are enjoying the episodes and being blessed by the messages and being challenged as well. So thank you so much. It has been a while since we've done this. So I'm excited about the episode. It is very obvious now that our churches do not speak with one voice on the matter of abortion. I can't say that I am surprised, but I am disappointed with the inconsistencies of the arguments presented by those who should be concerned about this blatant violation of the image of God, namely the killing of these innocent human beings in the early stages of their development. I must say, however, that I am very happy that the debate is going on and that the church is so vocal. I consider Jamaicans to be reasonable people, and I believe that if we are deliberate to uncover the good, the bad, and the ugly of both sides of the debate, the Jamaican people will choose wisely. Okay. So you're not surprised. Well, you're disappointed. You're not surprised that they, That's right. there are differing views within the church community. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. What are your thoughts on the views expressed by the different church groups? You have the Adventists, you have the Baptists, right. uh, the Anglicans, of course the Catholics, the Evangelicals. What are your thoughts on the different views? All right, so I'm, I want to begin with, I won't trouble the Catholics or the Evangelicals okay. because their position is that abortion should not be permissible under any circumstance, okay. mm -hmm. which is... Your position where also. I'm at. Okay. Mm. <laughs> However, I want to, to highlight something. I want to begin with one of the claims made earlier by the Baptist General Secretary. And this, I quote, the statement is, or the claim is, that the JBU affirms the fact that every human being is created in the image and likeness of God, and therefore we are affirming of life. But inasmuch as we affirm life, we recognize that there are circumstances that are very difficult for women. And then it went on, but I want to stop there. Mm -hmm. And I want to also underscore the fact that there are difficult circumstances that women face. And indeed, so, so there is no denial about that. Mm -hmm. And I don't think any, I do not get the impression that any of the church organizations are denying these terrible traumatic circumstances, whatever they are, that a woman may be faced with, all right? So there is no denial about that. But in the context of this statement, to use it as the premise on which we can allow or promote the permission 
of abortion for specific circumstances, that's where I'm having a challenge. Because if humans are created in the image and likeness of God, and we are saying, yes, we affirm life, does it then follow that circumstances have the capacity to erase the sanctity of life? Right? So that's one of my challenge. A baby's life becomes a non-essential because his father is a rapist. That's, that's, that, that's what the argument is leading to. Should we be pushing for the institutionalized violation of the image of God because of sinful traumatic experiences? How are we affirming life in one aspect and then ordering the murder of that same life in another instance because we are troubled by the circumstances under which this life came into existence? I have a challenge with... Uh, embracing that position indeed um there does appear to see a um, be a conflict between affirming life generally but then you make some exceptions because it's like they're saying i affirm life but sometimes i don't affirm life right so in other words it's almost like we are the ones making the rules and mm. and not god if we affirm life because the scriptures affirm the sanctity of life and the Bible says that we were created in the image and likeness of God and we're affirming life, then to say that persons should, to encourage persons to have an abortion if they want to, under the circumstance of rape, for example, mm -hmm. is it that you know, the baby's life is no longer the image of God or, you know, this baby is not no longer in the image of God because his father is a rapist. You know, so I'm having a challenge with the, with the argument. Okay. The main points for conditional, because that is what it is. It's a conditional aff um, affirmation of life. The okay. main points <laughs> for the conditional support of abortion by some church groups are one in instances of rape yes two instances of incest three in cases where the mother's physical or mental health is at risk and fourth and lastly in cases where in cases involving fetal abnormalities Right. What say you? Okay. In an article entitled Yes to Abortion, Anglican Church declares support but not for convenience. That's the title of the article and it was written by Miguel Thomas, published online via the Jamaica Observer website. Lord Bishop Howard Gregory made it clear and I quote, this is what he said according to the article. The church forbids abortion as a means of birth control, family planning, sex selection, or for any reason of mere convenience. Okay, Lord Bishop. So, if a mother chooses to terminate her pregnancy due to fetal abnormality, isn't this a case of mere convenience? Because if... if um. If a, if, if a mother is pregnant and due to ultra, ultrasound technology, and by the way, if according to ultrasound technology, you are able to detect 
physical abnormalities in your unborn child, then we can safely say that the child is large enough, visibly enough, formed enough to determine this. Yeah. So this is, this is not a zygote we're talking about. Okay, yes. All right? Yeah. For you to, be, to determine that. So if a mother is not going to say, boy, my baby is going to be born with one hand or, or you know, only a torso and a head or something like that. So I, I, my life, I cannot disrupt my life with this. It's going to be too much on me because the cost alone to, to take care of such a child, I'm going to have to reorganize my entire life. I am thinking that if a woman determines that I'm getting rid of this pregnancy because I can't, that's a matter of convenience. So again, when you look at the, where the arguments are leading, there are inconsistencies. Because in one breath you're saying, hey, we don't support abortion for these reasons, including just mere convenience. And then you're saying, but if the child is abnormal, physical abnormalities or fetal abnormalities, whatever those are, do your abortion. I'm thinking that's a contradiction there. Sure All right? sounds that way to me. Yes. On the face of it. On the face of it, yeah. at least. Mm -hmm. So, and the other thing, if the mother's life is at risk, I have been reliably informed that an abortion is not done in that case. If the mother's life is at risk, everything is done to save both lives and in many of the cases due to the age of the pre-born child they may not survive so that's the difference because the abortion is the deliberate termination of a pregnancy when a mother's life is at risk it is not a deliberate termination or killing of that pre-born child so instead efforts are made to preserve both lives and more often than not the child becomes a casualty but uh, i've heard of cases where where the mother the mother's blood pressure um, has risen to such a level that it puts her her life at risk yes and i've heard of cases like those where the solution is either the mother or the fetus and oftentimes it is a fetus that and again, it's not a deliberate killing. If the mother's blood pressure gets so high and based on treatments that are provided mm. to assist with that, which there are treatments, by the way, so it's not that the blood pressure just rises and you say, oh, I need to kill the child in order for her blood pressure to come down. That's not the case. They do what they can to preserve both lives. And again, the unborn child may be the one to die in the process of trying to keep both of them alive. And there are cases where the mother is the one who dies and the child lives. There are cases where the mother dies and the child lives. There are a lot of children who are born at, um, and, yeah, mother and the mother dies at birth. Yeah, so mm -hmm. it can go either way, but it's not a case where the father comes in and say, I want my child to kill the mother. Because if that were the case, you know that's prison for all persons involved. But then this is how we're talking about you know, the pre-born child as if it's just a clump of cells or a lump of cells or whatever the case might be. So, so that's what happens in, in those cases based on information that I have and the research that I have done and as well as speaking with some medical doctors. As it relates to mental health issues, uh, mental health issues... Surely they're speaking about... Um insanity in those cases ah well that's not my understanding that they're speaking about insanity 
I am not a medical doctor, so I'm not an authority on the matter, so I'm going to say that up front. So this is strictly based on my research and my own understanding of, you know, what, 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 what exists. So if and the mental, mental health issues, mm -hmm. well, I don't know that pregnancy itself causes insanity. But I do know that some persons are insane before getting pregnant. Well, I tend to agree with you because um, if pregnancy caused um, insanity, we'd have a lot of insanity. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if you have a propensity for that or it runs in the family or something. But when they talk about mental illness, though, it's really talking about things like anxiety and depression because those are classified as mental disorders or illnesses mm -hmm. or so on. And, there, and, and I also discovered that it can happen to both men and women during pregnancy, which is what they call, I think it's called uh, antenatal, the antenatal period. And it can go on to after birth, which is the postnatal period. And there are treatments and systems in place to deal with these kinds of things. The treatments are available for these kinds of challenges. And I struggle to see how murdering the preborn will erase or solve this, this problem of depression or anxiety. So I, 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 and in the previous episode, we spoke about rape and incest. Right. And yeah. I will say it again, rape and incest are traumatic circumstances that anybody could ever face. I do not wish those things on my worst enemy. I don't believe that. And if anybody goes through that, the perpetrators must be dealt with by the law to the fullest extent. And these persons who would have experienced the trauma need to get help and care and counseling. I do not see how abortion is going to erase or solve the problem of the trauma caused by rape or incest. I think that it will be a double trauma if the abortion comes into the picture. Okay. It's a really testing um, situation because um, especially the one to, do, to deal with um, dealing with physical or mental health because I would like to hear from the proponents of this view because just like you, if it's just anxiety, uh, depression. depression, those would be very flimsy grounds on which to support abortion. Mm -hmm. But I guess only the proponents of the idea, um, only they could tell us exactly what, why they um, support such a, a view. Uh, Reverend Tashi, yes. is, there, is there something missing from this abortion debate? If so, what, what is missing? What are we not hearing? All right. There are a few things that I could say, and I think that... At the beginning, when, when the abortion debate just started, I probably would have said that we need to hear more about people being responsible in their intimate relationships. Mm -hmm. And as a Christian, we would be promoting abstinence if you're not married, you know, and we would encourage persons who do not subscribe to the Christian worldview to be responsible, protect yourself and choose wisely and, and all of that. But based on where the arguments have gone, mm. I'm not sure 
that is necessary anymore based on because we're not we're no longer arguing about mere convenience and people just having sex and getting pregnant at will and, and just doing away with their pregnancies. Now, the, 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 the main portion of the debate is focusing on what about the 10-year-old who gets raped and, and the, the matters of incest and all of that. Those are the main things now, which, in a way, I feel that persons get emotional in these instances when they're talking about it because the discussion has been for want of a better word because it's not that it's not important mm. but it has been relegated to that because what are we doing with the children i listened to a radio program the other day where mm. juliet cuthbert flynn, flynn mm. was on with another lady and the host and they were championing this argument about the woman should have the right to choose what happens to her body and she should be able to determine. And, and they were talking about it and saying yes and carrying on. And then in the next breath, the next sentence, they were saying, can you imagine a 10-year-old pregnant incest? And in my mind, I'm thinking, here we go again. If a 10-year-old gets pregnant because of this, because of incest or rape who is making the decision for the 10 year old you're saying a woman should have the choice to do what she wants with her own body but then a 10 year old cannot choose for herself True. so your argument about choice has gone through the window again i find that inconsistent because we are now making the decision for the child so what what do I think needs to really get into the media in terms of what's going on with the debate? I'd want to hear a little bit more about improving the systems in place to take care of our children. Prom um, I'd want to hear more about how we can promote responsible family life, responsible planning, and that kind of thing. And I'd want to hear more about how, you know, putting in more clinics or areas where persons can feel comfortable to come into a space where if they have experienced trauma, they can go here, there, or wherever. They, they, they have somewhere to reach out. And, you know, that's kind of tricky, though, because some of those things you don't want to put into the media because of the stigma attached to it. Persons don't want, you know, I might be going into a particular place known for that and they're like, wow, wait, Reverend Tashi get raped or something? What is she doing in there? That's the best case in the <laughs> Well, you know, or, or has she done an abortion or so? So I, I think that, but in addition to all of that though, what's missing from the debate for me is that I think the pro-choice campaign the pro-choice party the pro-choice people mm -hmm. need to give the full picture or story of their position so tell us about the trauma the risks mm -hmm. and all of the possibilities whether positive or negative associated with what you are promoting mm -hmm. tell us everything so that we can know for sure. But don't, don't, don't paint any pictures to us that's one-sided. Okay. So I would say that. All right, let me ask you something, Reverend Tashi. Yes. Uh, would you think um, that most Jamaicans would, uh, the, the four points that the, the, um, the church groups 
who will conditionally support abortion, the four points that they raise, don't you think that most Jamaicans would support um, abortion under those circumstances? Which would be rape, incest, incest. fetal abnormalities. Okay, yes, three. Um, if the mental health issues, as you put it, <laughs> that is um, depression, depression and anxiety. anxiety. So let's eliminate that. Oh, if it's mental, right. if it's conveniently, mental, right? <laughs> no, no, we'll go. At the outset, you did say that Jamaicans are reasonable people. Oh yes. So I would, I don't think um, they would support abortion because you're depressed. <laughs> no, <Okay>. but <laughs> don't you think most Jamaicans would be sympathetic for the three instances: murder, uh, rape, incest. All right, let's stop at rape and incest. All right, fine. Uh, I can't say that most Jamaicans would. Uh, when you say sympathetic, you mean, does that mean that they would say, okay, yes, if you, want to, yeah. if you want to do an abortion because you have been raped yeah. or because mm -hmm. of incest, then go ahead. I support it in that case. Mm -hmm. Yes. I don't think so. And I don't think so. I have not done any research, but I'm going based off the statistics mm -hmm. that they have put in the paper before even though there was an alarm about you know the statistics not looking so right but regardless of that based on those uh, statistics the majority of Jamaicans were still opposed to abortion under any circumstance because they didn't make that distinction in the mm. article okay the, the one that I think it said 21% or something like that of Jamaican support abortion, even yeah. though we didn't agree with it. But mm. if we were to go by that, it mm. means that uh, we have the vast majority okay. of Jamaicans saying no to abortion still. Okay. You are a reverend. Yes. Okay, good. Is there any biblical basis on which a person can support abortion or not support abortion? Is there a biblical foundation? Well, good question. I have listened to even, you know, even my church friends, clergy people who support abortion under certain conditions mm -hmm. have not been able to give any biblical position, biblical anything for their, for their position. Not that I can remember. And I think there was one attempt one time, and, and I think the scripture was... The, the, the reference by that particular person was in response to a pro-life individual. Mm -hmm. So, I, personally, I cannot think of any biblical basis on which to support abortion. I, I don't see it. And I want to say, if we strip away the emotions, strip away the politics, strip away the people-pleasing, and strip away the noise, and look at what's being decided, we are trying to institutionalize the killing of innocent human beings in the early stages of their development. Abortion cannot stand on its own and make any sense. So the scriptures in general affirm the sanctity of life and that we were created in the image and likeness of God and that life doesn't begin at birth but before that. So I'm going to read one scripture, which is Psalm 139 from verse 13 through to verse 16, which for me affirms that the unborn or the preborn child or pregnancy is really life. 
This is what the scriptures, the scripture says. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. When I read that scripture, I see that the zygote, which is the first stage when the egg and the sperm come together and fertilization takes place, that is where conception, that's where life begins. And God affirms that in his word. Okay. Uh, any final thoughts before we go on the abortion debate generally, the church's view, the... Because initially the abortion debate started out as it was basically a woman's right to choose, but that's morphed into so many different uh, yes. areas now. So, any final thoughts? Because yes, I do have some final thoughts, mm -hmm. and I want to say it makes sense to support life. Our preborn cannot be anything but human beings who are in the early stages of their development. So I want to speak to the persons who are listening to me now. And I want to remind you or to bring to your attention that there was a time when you were a zygote. That's where you started. That's where I started. I was a zygote at one point in my life. Information concerning the color of your eyes, the shape of your nose, the texture of your hair and the color of your skin was right there in the zygote. I affirm God's image. I support life and I believe that abortion is wrong. So if you are considering an abortion, please speak with someone and reconsider what you are thinking about doing. If you have had an abortion and the memories have been haunting you, I encourage you to speak with a Christian counselor or with a pastor. There is hope for you. There is hope for anyone who has been traumatized in this sinful, decadent, dark world. God bless you. Okay, thank you, Reverend Tashi. Thank you, faithful listeners and first-timers for joining us. We trust that you will give careful thought to the abortion debate and to the discussion here today. It is our hope that you will choose the position that protects the sanctity of life at any stage of development. As we go, we wish for you every good blessing.